Hello, this is Pastor Dan of Edgeboro Moravian Church, and welcome to this Worship by Phone recording posted during the week of Sunday, June 20th. This was the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, and during this recording, you will hear a scripture reading done by Tammy Bear, an elder of the church, uh, followed by my sermon, and then Tammy will once again uh, reappear on this recording to read a Father's Day liturgy. Uh, happy Father's Day to uh, those that uh, to those fathers and father-like figures that are listening uh, today. Uh, our prayers are with you, and that is uh, signified through this uh, and said through this uh, Father's Day liturgy. It's from our uh, spiral-bound uh, book of worship, Sing to the Lord a New Song. Just wanted to let everybody know that uh, while we will have a worship by phone recording for next Sunday, uh, that uh, the Sundays in July, we will not have a worship by phone recording. Uh, I will be away uh, at uh, two of those Sundays at camp and a third one on vacation. Uh, and uh, I, I covet your prayers as those, uh, those events require some travel with that. But we will, again, we will not be having worship by phone recordings uh, during the month of July. Uh, we hope to come back with that uh, in the future, but uh, we will, of course, let you all know if there are any changes or updates to be made. So with all that, let us quiet our hearts and prepare ourselves for this worship service, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Good morning. This, the scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There ends our reading. It was a dark and stormy night on the Sea of Galilee. A group of fishermen along with some others they had recently met were crossing the sea on what was a 27-foot wooden boat made out of cedar and about 10 other different types of wood because, perhaps like these fishermen, this boat had seen decades of waves on the sea. For what it's worth, we know a little bit about the boat thanks to archaeological findings back in 1986. Uh, when many people found a boat that was presumably uh, those boats that were commonly used on the Sea of Galilee. So this could have been very similar to the boat that we uh, find Jesus and his disciples on today. But these waves that they encountered on that night, well, they were something different. This storm was a great storm. To put it more accurately, as the wording actually says in the Greek, it was a mega storm, to be precise. Mega winds, mega waves, mega turbulence. This was an all-hands-on-deck situation as they tried to keep the boat upright, even on course if they were lucky, 
and bail out as much water as they could. This was an intense storm, so intense that the experienced fishermen who had seen their fair share of storms suddenly feared for their lives. Everyone feared for their lives. You don't really think about it much because it's only the fourth chapter in Mark, but this early Christian movement as we know it today was one good wave away on this night that we read about from just ending like that. Of course, there was one person who showed no fear on that night. In fact, he showed no emotion at all. I wonder what the disciples felt as they looked to the back of the boat to see Jesus there. The person with the least amount of boating experience of them all, and for that reason, the person that should be the most fearful person on this boat in that moment, instead asleep and totally oblivious to what was going on. I wonder what the disciples expected him to do in that moment. I don't think they wanted him to calm the storm because they hadn't seen yet that Jesus could do that in the first place and therefore didn't expect him to do that. That was a total surprise and you could tell by the disciples reaction after Jesus had calmed the storm, they were shocked. So no, I don't think the disciples expected Jesus to calm the storm. I think they wanted Jesus to have just some kind of response to it all. If not bail out water with them, if not row with them to keep them moving, at the very least, he could be fearful, exactly as how they were feeling in that moment. But the frustrating thing was, he wasn't doing any of that. And seeing that, I really do think they got frustrated, even downright mad at Jesus. Why isn't he helping? Why isn't he doing anything? If anyone is to blame for all of this, it's actually Jesus. He's the one that's not helping, and he's the one that wanted to get on the water in the boat in the first place. He was the one that made them all go. So if it wasn't for Jesus, they wouldn't be in the boat, period. Anyway, that's what I think the disciples were implying and were feeling in that moment, especially when they asked him, don't you care that we're perishing? You can almost read between the lines there to say, don't you care that you're the one that got us into all this in the first place? And truly, if they were to ask that in those words, I think they would be completely justified because they are in fact right. Things would have been much more comfortable had they waited the night. They would have been under a roof with food, getting rest, and they would be dry and not drenched to the bone. They would be much more comfortable had they would stay where they were. But... Jesus is the reason they all got into that boat. And why did Jesus want to go across the sea in that boat? Well, like the chicken crossing the road, he wanted to get to the other side. And he wanted to get to the other side so that he could extend God's love to an overlooked person in an overlooked place. Because that's what Jesus is all about. Movement, carrying love with him and with others. It's why Jesus called himself the way, and that early Christianity was known as the way. It was movement and love. It's why Jesus called his disciples in the Great Commission to go and make disciples starting where they were and then going to the ends of the earth. Jesus was all about movement and moving love to others that didn't have it at that moment. So Jesus calls his disciples to get on the boat and go with him. And 
we should note that this will not be the last time the disciples were going to be on a boat with Jesus. Boats are mentioned dozens of times in the gospel. So even if this was a near-death experience and the disciples remembered that, they still knew or felt something about Jesus that made them continue to get on boat after boat with him. This scripture passage today reminds all of us that as modern-day disciples, we have boats that Jesus is waiting for us to step into, things that, that, that Jesus wants us to travel to to get to the other side, life journeys, if you will, calling us to move to what is unknown so that his love can transform us and others as we get to the other side of that journey. Perhaps we can think about how Jesus is calling us to move now. What boats are we being asked to step into today? Perhaps it's a personal transition that's on your horizon or on your radar or even one that you're going through right now. I mean, we've all had these transitional boat moments before in life, whether we've known it or not. We've been through big transitions. Entering into a marriage is a big transition. Working on a strained marriage or perhaps leaving one is another. Making a career transition or deciding to retire graduating, having kids, deciding when to leave our homes and and go to new ones, making decisions that impact our long-term health, or realizing that we are now in need of additional care. In all of those moments, in all of those personal decisions and transitions, we left what was familiar. Even though we weren't sure what was on the other side of that journey, And we weren't sure if the journey was going to be a calm one or rocky one or stormy one. But we did it in order to find out how that will change us and hopefully change us and our loved ones in the world for the better. So maybe that there is something that you're ready to face right now or looking toward a transitional moment or a big decision that's coming up. Or maybe there are other choices to make and boats to take like those that impact our communal lives instead of our personal ones. We all have communal boats and decisions and transitions that we make, decisions about how we will help and show support for our local communities, how we will volunteer, how we will donate our time and energy to schools or organizations. This is how we venture out into our neighborhoods and with our neighbors to see what change could be like on the other side, to see that we can make this place, wherever it is that we live, a better place to live for all today and in the days to come. So maybe there are personal decisions you are facing. Maybe there are communal decisions you are facing. And then there are church decisions that we are facing. There are ways in which Jesus, our chief elder, is calling our church forward to continue spreading the gospel in the future on the other side of town or the other side of the world, you name it. On a larger Moravian scale, there have been some recent boats or transitions, things that we've been talking about over the last year that we feel like we might be uh, called to step into in some way, even though we don't know how things will work out. For example, in our church with both synods coming up this summer and next summer, some of our provincial leadership will be changing. And with that, new paths forward will be charted. 
Another one of those moments might be our ongoing discernment, which is uh, being done as to how the Moravian Church can authentically support social justice movements in a uniquely Moravian way. There are uh, other conversations going on in the church uh, trying to figure out what needs to happen for us to be a church presence in an increasingly hybrid world, virtual and in person. And conversations are happening about how we could share the good news in a widening digital realm. And then there are other uh, conversations among many congregations. Uh, congregations are also taking this time that the, the, the pause that this pandemic has created to reassess their ministries and make changes, additions, or subtractions to what they did prior to the pandemic in order to meet the changing needs of their communities. These are the boats that have become much more evident, apparent, perhaps much more closer to us in the Moravian Church over the last year. And these boats are just as apparent to us here at Edgeboro too, us being a part of all of that. So I wonder what boats are there for you now? What boats are you feeling Christ nudge you to or beckon you into? What transitions, what choices are on the horizon for you personally and also in the realms of your community and your church. While we know that making choices is never easy because we don't know how things will change, we don't know what things will look like in the future, we don't know if there will be storms along the way. Yet through this all, I hope that we might have faith to get in that boat, the boat that we are so called to get into, whatever that might be. Let scripture remind us that Jesus never says you must go to the other side, but rather let us go to the other side. In other words, that, that as we make our choices and decisions and transitions, as we step into that boat, we venture out with the greatest travel companion and guide the world has ever known right by our side. So God's blessings be with all of you as with each decision, action, and transition, you strive to, do, uh, to share Christ's love in the world and do what is best for you and your family, your community, and your worlds. Christ is with you always in that boat. May you have the faith to step in. I'm going to read the prayer for fathers. It is in the Spiral Bound book on page 14. I'll be reading the regular print. I invite you to respond with the bold print. Lord, on this day, set aside to honor and remember fathers. We give you thanks for our fathers. We are grateful that you chose to give us life through them and that they received the gift of life from your hands and gave it to us. Thank you for the sacrifices they made in the form of time, courage, and patience. We thank you for the men who raised us, who were our fathers in childhood, whether biological father, adopted father, older brother, uncle, grandfather, stepfather, or someone else. We thank you for those men who guided and protected us, who cared for us and held us in your love. We pray that our lives may reflect the love they showed us and that they would be pleased to be called our dads. We pray for older dads whose children are grown. Pray. 
Grant them joy and satisfaction for We pray for new dads experiencing changes they could not predict. Grant them rest and peace as they trust you for the future. We pray for expectant men who will soon be dads. Grant them patience and good counsel in the coming months. We pray for dads who face the demands of single parenthood. Grant them strength and wisdom. We pray for dads who enjoy financial abundance. Grant them time to share with their families. We pray for dads who are raising their children in poverty. Grant them relief and justice. We pray for dads who try to balance vocation and family. Grant them courage we pray for stepdads. Grant them patience and understanding We pray for dads who are separated from their children. Grant them faith and hope. We pray for dads in marriages that are in crisis. Grant them support and insight. We pray for dads who have lost children. Grant them comfort in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray for fathers whose children's lives ended in abortion. Grant them healing and peace. We pray for dads who gave up their children for adoption. Grant them peace and confidence as they trust in your providence. We pray for adoptive fathers. Grant them joy and gratitude for the gift you have provided. We pray for boys and men who think about being dads. We pray for men who desperately want or wanted to be dads. We pray for all men who have assumed the father's role in a child's life. We pray for dads who show us the way of faith. We pray for those people present who are grieving the loss of their father in the past year. I invite all the men and boys in uh, the sanctuary today and at home to stand as you are able for a blessing. Lord, we thank you for the gift of fatherhood. We thank you for the many examples of faithful fathers in scripture, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Zechariah. Now hear in our hearts and in our minds the names of other men who have inspired us by their fatherly examples. We are mindful this day of all these men, and especially Joseph, the earthly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had the courage in faith to say yes to your calling. May these men and boys gathered here today emulate these examples of faith, and may they model 
for all the rest of us what it means to be your disciple. Bless them on this special day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sisters and brothers, through transitions, changes, and choices, those boats that might be before us, those boats that Christ might call us to be getting into and going to the other side, may we keep singing and keep acting and keep serving and keep speaking in the name of Christ's love that we might carry it to the other side and around the world. So go in peace to love and serve in the name of Christ. Amen.